Welcome to episode number six of The Fit Habit. My name is Karen McGill and I am your host. Today we are talking about macros and carbohydrates, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'm actually going to speak to a presentation that I developed for, it's actually a presentation that I built into a short video slash webinar for people in my challenge group, and they found it very useful. So I wanted to share sort of an audio presentation of it for you. So I'm going to look at the slides as I speak to you, and I'll just first off by start by saying that macronutrients as fats, carbohydrates, and proteins, and these are the basic buckets that all food is broken into, whether it's you know natural or, or whole food or crap you find at the grocery store that's been processed a million different ways. They all divide into carbs, fats, and proteins, and most foods have some, if not large margin of all of those really does a food not have one macronutrient. But oh, the reason that I am talking to you about it today is that I think that there's some misunderstandings around macronutrients and the role they play in he- healthy and sustainable weight loss. Most people look at total calories that they're taking in in a day and assume that as long as they stay within a certain caloric value that, you know, they should be losing weight. And if you've tried that method and it hasn't worked for you, then this is information is really going to be useful for you. So with that said, why don't we sort of get right down to it? So what are macros? Like I said, proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. There's also alcohol, which is not really a macronutrient. It does have caloric value and it is measured differently than fats, proteins, and carbs. The problem predominantly with, and I will talk about alcohol a little bit later, but the problem with today's diet, the standard American diet, is that it is predominantly built on either processed or unprocessed carbohydrates. And that is really the reason why we're getting fatter and fatter. For a very long time, you know, we've been afraid of fat and fat being sort of the precursor for gaining weight. And as it turns out, that research that sort of infiltrated every fitness and health magazine for the past 40 years was incorrect. And it was based on a bias. And if you Google Ansel Keys, he was the scientist, I think that's his name. Uh, he was a scientist that sort of interpreted the, the research wrong and started this whole fat is bad for you trajectory and carbohydrates are good. So, and if you look over that same period of time over the past 40 years, certainly in Western culture, we continue to get larger and larger and larger and we're wondering why. And certainly it's because we have, you know, big slurpees and burritos the size of your head, but there's more to it than just that. So as I mentioned, there's the three macronutrients. There is carbohydrates, which is broken down into starchy. There's three different types of carbohydrates, according to me. There are non-starchy carbs, and those are your highly fibrous veggies. So everything from broccoli and cauliflower to kale to lettuce to celery and all of those watery cucumber fibrous sort of vegetables that we all know and love as being good for you. Then there are starchy carbohydrates that are based on whole foods and those are anything grain. So rice, barley, wheat, rye, you know, I don't need to go on with that and corn, quinoa, all of those different grains, the ancient grains, millet and amaranth, And, you know, the more current grains that, you know, white rice and sushi rice and everything else all fall into this as well as potatoes and some squashes as well. So all the yummy carbohydrates are considered starchy carbs. And then the third bucket, if you will, are processed carbs. And that's 
well, bread is actually a processed carb. Wheat itself is just a grain. But, you know, things that come in a box, your Weetabix, your English muffins and your crackers and your croissants and, you know, all the really delicious stuff are all processed carbs. So among those, which ones do you think, and this is the $64,000 question, you should be eating? Yes, you know exactly what you should be eating, the non-starchy carbs. And you can eat as many of those as you like. You know, when you think about carbohydrate diets, whether they be higher carb or low carb, there's a big push towards low carb dieting this, these days. And people think that's so unhealthy because you can't eat vegetables. The way I approach low carb dieting, it is predominantly vegetables because you need those veggies. Those are your phytonutrients. Those are your most nutrient rich foods that you're going to get into your body and you need those. And if you hate veggies, then I will say two things. First of all, you just haven't experimented with them enough that you found veggies that you've liked and or you're not preparing them the right way. But as an adult, you should be eating your veggies just like as a child, you should be eating your veggies. And that's all there is to it. You have to eat your veggies. Starchy carbs, those potatoes, rice grains, those sort of things that we thought were healthy, but usually make you feel stuffed and tired after. And those are generally the starchy carbs you want to stay away from. They're usually have gluten in them unless it's a potato or rice. And they tend to spike insulin, even though they are not, even though they could be a whole food, they still spike insulin. And I will get into glucose and insulin and all those things a little bit later, and I'll keep it very high level. So it won't get all scientific on you. I will make it very layman, but they spike insulin. And what happens with insulin is that if your body can't use that really rich source of energy right away, it gets stored as fat. So there are times when starchy carbs do make sense. And that's usually right before or after a workout. If you're using it at that time when your glycogen stores are depleted, your body uses those starchy carbs most efficiently at those times. I'm trying to think of an analogy that would help would help with this sort of process. But basically, when you are just past a workout period, when you've had, like, let's say a heavy weightlifting session, your muscles are drained of energy and they're looking for anything at that point. So if you eat a starchy carb, it will suck up that intensive energy right away and it will get used up right away. So that's an efficient use of starchy carbs. So Really, I always say to my clients, you have to earn your carbs. And if you're not doing intense lifting or you're not doing an intense workout in general, then you probably haven't earned those carbs. So pass on the potatoes, pass on the stuffing, pass on the brown rice. Yes, even brown rice. And then processed carbohydrates. I think that's a no brainer. I think that we need as a culture to stay away from Pop-Tarts and pizza pops and all of those things, even bread, anything that contains gluten, anything that contains a very high carbohydrate count any of those things, if you want to lose weight, if you're finding that you're gaining weight and you don't know why because you're not eating a lot of overall calories and you're hungry all the time and you've got a little bit of brain fog and your energy is low and you're feeling kind of cranky, it's your starchy carbs and your processed carbs that are your problem place that you need to pay attention to. And I'll tell you how to pay attention to it later on in this podcast. So the next macronutrient that I want to talk about is proteins. And I think they're very self-explanatory. Basically meat, animal products of any kind, like eggs or, you know, dairy product, protein supplements. A lot of vegetables have very high contents of proteins, pea protein. There's a million different proteins. I think we all know what they are. Here's what I want to say to you about proteins. Meat is fine if you want to eat it. Personally, I don't, but those, I'm pescatarian, but that's just personal reasons. If you want to eat meat, go ahead. What I would recommend is not eating conventional meat. So I would recommend staying away from the meat that you find just in your regular grocery area. I would highly recommend you look for grass-fed 
free range organic meat because the latter, if it's not that, has got a lot of hormones and nitrates that are concentrated in the meat. And it, when you eat the meat, it's even those uh, toxins are further concentrated in your body and they store in your fat and they hold on to fat and they get stored in your fat. So as you're losing weight and you're losing fat, you're going to re-experience those toxins again that have been built into your fat cells. It's a scientific process called bionutrification. And basically it's the acceleration of toxins as they go through the food chains. And since we're at the top of the food chain, any toxins in the foods that we eat are amplified in our bodies. So wherever you can go for free range, organic grass fed. And if you can't afford those, then maybe don't eat so much meat anymore. That's my recommendation to you. Getting on to fats. So fats have been sort of criminalized for the last 40 years. And you know, they've been the pointed to as a reason, a primary reason for heart disease. And as it turns out, that's not the issue. Cholesterol is not exactly the or high cholesterol is not exactly the issue that it was once made out to be. It, when it comes to heart disease, it's a triglyceride that we really need to focus on. And guess where your triglycerides are being spiked from? Yes, processed carbs, not fats, or at least not healthy fats. So there has been a lot of bad science in the last 40 years that only now we're starting to come into good science. And if you go to my website, thefithabit.com, and you click on Fat Loss 101, it's right up there on the top menu. You can read a little bit more about that. And also I link to a bunch of scientifically based articles that are backing up these claims. They're not just, you know, being made up. So, you know, you hear about the whole paleo movement that's sort of been taking over modern culture. And really, I think the emphasis behind the paleo movement is going back to whole foods and being less focused on processed carbs and more focused on proteins and fats. And I do think that that's a good direction, even though I do think that they also overemphasize meat and probably to damaging degree. There seems to be this glorification of bacon that I don't get because bacon is not the healthiest thing that you could grab. I digress. Back to fats. So what are some healthy fats? coconut oil, coconuts, any coconut product, avocado, avocado oil, olives, olive oil, butter, ghee. I would stay away from seed oils and vegetable oils. Stay away from vegetable oil. Oh my goodness. When you think about it, do vegetables really have oils? I don't think so. What else are fats? Nuts, seeds, cream, high fat dairy, these are all great things to eat. Dairy could be hard for some people that are intolerant, but for the most part, healthy, non-processed and obviously non-trans fatty fats are great for you. And they balance hormones and they balance and regulate moods and energy and satiety. So if you find that you're constantly hangry, it's probably because your diet is concentrated on carbohydrates. I was certainly there at one point. But now that I eat a predominantly a fat-based diet with some moderate protein and a lot of non-starchy carbs, like vegetables, as I mentioned, my hunger levels are extremely balanced. You know, we've been told in the media for the last 20 so odd years, and you know, bodybuilding community is very into this, six small meals a day to regulate blood sugar. Well, the reason that you're regulating blood sugar is because you're eating a lot of carbohydrates that keep pumping up your blood sugar. So what happens is you eat carbohydrates and then your blood sugar goes up and then you spike insulin and insulin is either burned off or it is stored in the fat cells as fat. And that's sort of the merry-go-round. So you keep spiking insulin and then it drops and you crash and then you've got to eat again to spike it again. So you think about it, you're up, down, up, down, up, down all day long. 
Rather, if you focus your diet on healthy fats and proteins and non-starchy carbs, then you're going to find that your blood sugar levels are very steady throughout the day because fats don't spike insulin and proteins mostly don't. There's a process called um, gluconeogenesis, and that's basically when your body has too much protein, it can only process so much protein at a time. And whatever excess protein it has, it will be then converted into glucose, which is what carbohydrates are converted into. And glucose becomes insulin, becomes fat. That's all you need to keep remembering to yourself. Carbohydrates turn into glucose, turn into insulin, turn into fat on your thighs. So that's sort of the whole process at a very non-scientific level. It's very simplified, but it'll help you understand the process. Fats do not do that. So what is the difference between carbohydrates, proteins, and fats? They're all digested very differently in the body. So carbohydrates are digested starting in the mouth and they're digested very quickly. The body digests them quickly because it's very cheap, fast energy. So if it can't expend all those carbohydrate energy, it stores as fat, as I've mentioned. Protein is a little bit considered a high thermic value macronutrient, meaning it takes a lot of energy to break down protein. Your body takes a while to do it. So that's why it sustains you longer from like a hunger standpoint. You're less likely to be hungry if you eat a high protein diet. But again, you have that glucose spike at the end if you're eating too much protein. Fats even more so. Fats are uh, digested liver and in the intestines, and they take a long time to digest, which keeps you full longer. They're also great for hair, nail, skin, as I mentioned, mood, regulating sleep. They're really hormone regulators, and carbohydrates have a tendency to be hormone annoyers, if you will. So I want to talk about the caloric value of each of these macronutrients to put things in a scale for you before we move forward. So carbohydrates and proteins both have four calories per gram. And that may sound cheap in comparison to fats. So fats have nine calories per gram, which means, which may seem like you could eat a lot more carbohydrate and get more bang for your buck than you can with fats. But the thing with fats is that you don't want to eat that much of them. Like, I mean, you're not going to sit down and eat half a stick of butter, although some people do. So fats are generally something that they are a higher concentration, but you need less of it in order to get the best bang for your buck. Proteins, I would always opt for protein over a starchy carb or a processed carb, but all carbohydrates are four calories per gram, regardless of they are starchy or non-starchy or processed. The problem is that you could eat, one person A could eat non-starchy carbs all day long, person B could eat starchy carbs all day long, and person C can eat processed carbs all day long, and they can all eat 1600 calories worth of carbohydrates. But I will guarantee you that person A that's eating non-starchy carbs will not gain a pound and will probably lose weight because they're not getting sufficient fats and proteins, whereas the other two will gain weight. So that's sort of the interesting piece around, you know, just looking at your overall caloric intake for the day. You've got to be really careful about what are those calories and break them down into proteins, fats, and carbohydrates in order to really understand what you're eating and really get control over your weight loss. I hope that's clear. Now, you're probably thinking, well, how many calories a day should I be eating based on, you know, who I am, what I'm looking to lose? The general rule of thumb, not taking into the amount of energy that you're expending through exercise and just daily movement is somewhere, if you want to lose weight, somewhere between 11 to 12 times your current body weight. So if I'm hundred pounds, just for easy math, times 12, that's going to be 1200 calories a day. And not very few, and many of us are hundred pounds, but you get the idea. So multiply somewhere between 11 and 12. I like to use 12. I think that's a good multiple. I think 11 can be 
too few calories. So for example, I am 135 pounds. So if I multiply that by 12, that's 1,620 total calories per day, which is what I aim for. So looking at that total amount, let's call it 1,600 for easy math. I want to have 50% of those calories, those total calories coming from fats, then 25% from non-starchy carbs and 25% from protein. Now that's not hard and fast, but that's where I like to start. I always like to have my fats at 50% of my caloric intake. And then I sort of like teeter-totter between carbohydrates and protein, depending on you know what I'm feeling is right for me. And you have to be the sleuth of your own body. Nobody else can give you an exact percentage. Everybody is different and you need to know what works for you. So but let's use this just for easy math. Let's say 50% of calories a day from fat. That's 810 calories total for the day or 90 grams of fat. Then for the 25 of each protein and carbs, because they're both, both four calories per gram, it turns out to 405 calories a day from each protein and carbs. And that's about 101 grams each. So it's 90 grams of fat, 100 grams of protein, 100 grams of carbs. So almost like 30% of each, right? Like it's almost like a complete 333 divide. So if that makes absolutely no sense to you, don't worry. There's two things you can do. Go to my website and you will see on the side of my blog, a little badge that says how to count macros. Go there and read it and just forget everything I've said thus far, because I know it sounds kind of complicated. And the other thing I recommend you do is go to www.macronutrientcalculator.com, plug in your weight and you know what you're looking to do, and it will spit this out for you and make it very easy. So now you've got these values, but the next question is, well, how do I know what 100 grams of fat is and, uh, you know, 100 grams of carbs? You need to track your calories and your macros. So if you've heard about if it fits in your macros or counting macros or anything like that, you need to track them, even if just for a little while, to understand how much you're eating of all three in a day. So I say to people, track your macros for a week. So what you would do, and, and don't even change your diet at this point understand, you know, your regular diet, because we kind of all eat the same thing day in and day out for the most part, unless you're somebody who travels a lot. Look at what you eat. Don't change what you eat and just track it and see where you're at. You might be surprised to know, you got to track everything. You've got to be like ridiculously diligent about this. Every like cashew that happens to slip into your mouth or when you're taste testing over dinner, all of that stuff has to be tracked and measured. So the best way to do this is to use measuring cups and a food scale, which I know you're thinking, I will never do that. And I'm telling you, you absolutely should. This is so, so key. I mean, everybody's got measuring cups and a food scale you can buy on Amazon or Walmart for like $10, $15, and it will show you exactly how much you're eating each thing. So let's say that in the morning you usually eat, you know, like a scoop of oatmeal. What's a scoop? Is that a cup? Is it half a cup? Is it a cup and a half? You need to weigh it and find out exactly how much oatmeal you're having. And you may find out that you're having a lot more than you thought you were, and the caloric value is a lot higher than you thought it was, and the carbohydrate count is a lot more than you would like it to be. 
So you have to start there. And when it comes to foods that are prepared and difficult to break down, you have to rely on nutrition labels, which are not always accurate, but do the best that you can. And then you need to track them somewhere once you've figured out how much of volume of each food you're eating. And the best place to do that is at myfitnesspal.com. So that is a food tracking website. And they've also got apps for iPad and phone. And it is fantastic. It's completely free. They have an upgraded version you don't need it. And most prepared foods are in there. And you basically just plug in the food and it will pop up with your options. And you know, if it's a specific food from Trader Joe's or Safeway or Loblaws, it's going to pop up with that option as well. If you plug that in, it's really, really effective. It has every single potential food in there. I was, I felt like I'd finally made it when my own product pro cakes showed up in my fitness pal. Somebody had registered it. So it's a great software and it's very intuitive. I do have a tutorial for this on YouTube. And I will put that in the show notes. I will remember to put that in the show notes so that you can understand how to do this if you're a newbie. It's really not hard. It is a pain in the tush, but it's worth it for one week to understand. And then once you've figured out exactly how much you're eating in a week, then you're going to know, okay, do I have a long way to go? Do I need to change a lot of what I'm doing? Or do I only need to change a little bit? So then what you need to do is decide based on the math that I gave you, or you're going to go to the macros 101 on my blog and find out exactly what your macro breakdown is, where you want to start. And you're going to start plotting out your food a little bit differently every day. And don't think that you're going to get it 100% right every day. And that's okay. But the point is that you're moving in the right direction. And if you don't want to do any of that stuff, take this away. Stay away from sugars and grains in your daily diet. And that is the fundamental underlying philosophy behind all of this. So anything that's a sugar, cereals, let's say, I don't know, fruit juice, fruit, because fruit has got fructose in it. Fructose is a sugar. Anything that's got honey in it or, you know, organic cane sugar, anything that has sugar in it, read your labels like religiously, stay away from most fruits. Berries are okay because they're very high in fiber and just stay away from sugars as a rule. This also includes alcohol, by the way. And if you're not going to be hundred percent on this, at least know that it, wine is the highest amount of sugar in an alcohol. Of course, like, and let's not even start with the fruity drinks and the mixed drinks, but something like a vodka soda has the least amount of sugar in it. If you want to be very particular in that regard. The other thing is grains. So what's a grain? Anything that has bread, cookies, crackers, croissants, breakfast cereals, oatmeal, quinoa. And I know you're thinking, oh my God, I thought these things were healthy. It's not that they're not, that they're really unhealthy. Although a lot of those don't have the nutritional value that they're positioned to have, but that's because, you know, General Mills wants you to eat them. It's that they're very nutritionally poor for the caloric value. So they're very high in calories, very low in nutritional value. In terms of grain, you also want to stay away from corn or anything that's made with corn and anything processed is literally made of corn. That just gives us the cheapest filler food that is out on the market. Flours of any kind, if you want to bake, start experimenting with coconut flour and almond flour because they're not a grain, but most all other flours on the market are based on a grain. So you kind of want to stay away from baked goods in general. And I swear to you, if you were to take all sugars and all grains out of your diet, oh, and potatoes, because that doesn't fall into either category, but it is a starchy carb, it will have an amazing effect on your body. 
not just from a weight loss standpoint, but from an energy standpoint and from a mood stabilization standpoint, from a hormonal standpoint, your sleep will be better. You won't be as hungry all the time. You will probably perform better athletically. I'm telling you, no sugars, no grains is your mantra. Hashtag NSNG. So anyway, I have a bunch of NSNG recipes on my web, so you have to kind of dig for them, but there's a search feature there. That is what I have for you today. I know that was intense. There's a lot of details on my website about it. Again, if you go there to thefithabit.com and just look at Fat Loss 101, it breaks it down. And then if you want to track macros, you just go to my blog and you'll see on the sidebar, there's click on the picture that says how to count, count your macros. It's one of the most top read posts on my blog. And it will help you figure this out because I know to just hear it doesn't necessarily click for everyone. Or you may just want to listen to this podcast again up to you anyway. And if you don't want to do all the tracking and the measuring, which I think is the most important thing you can do for yourself, just stay away from sugars and grains and you will see an enormous benefit. So that's all I have for you today. I just want to be useful and then get out of here and let you get on with your day. I hope you found that helpful. If you did, please give me a five-star review and again, visit me at thefithobbit.com. And if this sort of coaching and information is useful to you, you may want to consider joining one of my challenge groups because I break all of this stuff down and make it really simple to follow. So on that, I am over and out. Have a wonderful day.